0: Podcast this week, we have a huge horde of guests, including Doug Lyman Ooh. and Will Poulter. Ah. Any more guests, <laughs> thank you. Any more guests, and we'd have to call the Guinness Book of Records. All that and more on the movie podcast. I watched The Defenders and didn't want to slap Danny Rand. Didn't really? Didn't not once. Not well, maybe once, maybe twice. Um, and was, yeah, pretty much all the time. I uh, know, of course not. Only kidding. Uh, Hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which this week is once again sponsored by Louis lovable peeps at Sky Atlantic. His new original revenge thriller, Tin Star, starring Tim Roth and Christina Hendricks, will be coming to your screens from September seventh, just around the corner. Set your calendars. Ask Siri to set a reminder. You can either binge all the episodes at once like a big old greedy Gus, or you can wait for your weekly fix. Is it greedy Gus or greedy guts? Greedy guts. Uh, This week, as you've already heard, uh, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, First up is our geek queen, uh, Helen O'Hara. I didn't write you an intro.
1: Thank you so much. Um, I can tell you that this week, uh, I got a new, slightly secondhand, but new to me, television.
0: Mm -hmm. And the
1: first thing I tried to check it out was... A supernatural blue. Ray. No. It was. Yeah, and you know what? The high def on 50 inch screen was delightful.
0: You could see every bead of sweat on their abs <laughs> as they took off their shirts.
1: Again, they still don't take their shirts off, Chris. I
0: don't know about that, Helen. I think I may have to watch this show with a forensic <laughs> eye for detail and I just think, make sure.
1: Just watch the show, like even once, like just one episode. You think, uh, after, you think I would after go after gaga for years? it? Yeah. How many years have you been making jokes about this show? Um,
0: well, this
1: has been going for what? This podcast, three, this three. Years this been or going. Or this
0: podcast has been going for three minutes, and <laughs> this and podcast it feels like years. It's <laughs> been going for over five and a half years. Yeah. So, yeah, and I haven't watched Supernatural in a time. In fairness, I haven't been making supernatural jokes for the full five and a half years. I mean, you have. That evolved naturally after uh-huh. about two weeks. Okay. So it's been. I took. A, I took a little break. So it's, it's all good. Uh, but I should watch that. Because if I clearly want to make time to watch eight episodes of The Defenders, which I did over the weekend with my wife, uh, Look, then it yeah. wasn't
1: it wasn't terrible. It reminded me I that I liked don't, it. You know, it reminded me that Daredevil's really good when he's not in Daredevil season two. <laughs> um, it reminded me that Jessica Jones is really good. Full stop. Uh-huh. And it reminded me that Luke Cage is really good in the first half of his show, and also in The Defenders. And sure. and it reminded me that Danny Rand is a person that exists.
0: See, that's, that's uh, listen, I'll, I'm going to introduce John Nugent as well and bring him Hi, into the conversation. Thanks. Hello, Hi. hello, John. Hi. How are you? A quiet poddler. George Harrison hello. lookalike. Again, I didn't write you an intro.
2: That's fine. Just lean on the classics. It Go
0: would it. be rem- stretching the truth somewhat to say that I forgot about the podcast. I didn't forget about the podcast. I forgot to write the script. And sure. that's the important thing. Yeah. Okay. So, or indeed, tell you guys any, any of the things that are going to be on this week's podcast. But that's fine. I'm fully in control of the situation. <laughs> Oh, it's God. all good. You're here. I'm here. We that's know what all we're doing. We, we know what we're doing. We've been doing this for so long. God. Um, and hey, before we get into the Defenders very, very quickly, sure. um, I should also mention that we really, uh, once again, there's some tickets still on sale for our live podcast, our next live podcast, September Ooh. 16th live podcast if you fancy spending a Saturday night with the Empire Podcast team and frankly why wouldn't you we're going to be appearing at the London Podcast Festival at King's Place September 16th 9.30 start it's quite a late one but you know we can see in the midnight hour together and that's that's going to be really really lovely working on a couple of very cool guests you know, let me just rephrase it in case anyone drops out working on a guest working <laughs> on some guests there might be a guest anyway there we'll see how it goes any
1: number it of could be really num- cool guests and yeah. I mean that literally it could be any number, any number, any
0: number of guests from two all the way down to zero. It could be all that, that. Long, long. If you way. are a famous person, please, please get in touch. Please do get in touch. Uh, We'd we'll be very, very excited to have you. So that's a lot of fun. So you can go on the Kings website and you can get a. Ticket for our show, but also you can get a discount if you book for three live podcast events that are going to be taking place. Three or more uh, over the weekend as well. We would love to see you there. It would be very, very cool indeed. Right. Enough of that. Um, people have been asking whether we'll be doing a Defenders spoiler special. And I, I'm i saying no at the moment, mainly because I pronounce it Defenders. And <laughs> it would be really weird. Um, but also, we just don't have the time at the moment. We're doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of podcasts over the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, one's a Steven Soderbergh interview special, which is up right now. Uh, we're doing something else. We might be doing a Game of Thrones uh, special once the show ends next week as well. So we just don't have the time at the moment. Um, but that might change. If there's enough public opinion, well, who knows? We may find the time to do a Defenders uh, spoiler special. But I quite enjoyed it, I'll be honest with you. Um, didn't love it. It's flawed as hell. Mm. But I quite enjoyed it, John. Have you seen The Defenders yet?
2: I've, I'm only up to episode five, and it's not, er, uh, it's not grabbed me by yeah. the throat. Uh, we were talking about this earlier in the office, and it does feel like it's not
0: uh, a throat grabber. I'll be honest. It's
2: not a throat grabber. It's a throat tickler. It's a yeah. throat sort of gentle caresser. I I don't I mean, know.
0: That, that sounds
1: all right, actually. Mm. That sounds quite okay. You know,
2: this analogy is already falling down. <laughs> I think I think um, there is some fun to be had in that sort of interplay between the four characters. But oh, I don't know, like, at least one of those characters is not great. I mean,
1: let's be honest, we know who we're all talking about. Every well, right.
2: time he says, I am the immortal Iron Fist, yes. my my soul just sort of weeps.
1: And, and I mean, he's meant to be good at what he does, right? Right, yeah. But part it- of what he does is about controlling yourself. Uh-huh. And he has... Literally zero self-control. Like Jessica Jones, who's meant to be the kind of hothead around here, is much more grounded and sensible. Mm. And 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 that just slightly seems like an odd decision to make <laughs> to
0: me. See, I, uh, maybe we'll talk about this if we do a spoiler special. Who knows? But I came to the show having not watched um, Iron Fist.
1: I watched the whole thing. I hadn't, and seen, I, I hadn't know. seen Luke
0: Cage. So I, I didn't come to it with the inbuilt... Antipathy towards Danny Rand, which a lot of people seem to have. I've, I thought he I was...
1: hated him less in his own show.
0: Really? Than I, did here. I Although... think he is badly written. I don't necessarily know. I have a problem with Finn Jones. I do think that there's a problem with the show in that it, the Defenders was uh, written and shot before Iron Fist came out, so they couldn't correct course. They mm-hmm. couldn't look at the reaction to that show and change the character. But I think that they probably should look at that and there's a new showrunner on Iron Fist Season 2 and I would imagine that you may begin to see uh, old Danny Rand loosen up a little bit. That's of course if he survives the Defenders
1: who knows? Who no knows? Spoilers
0: here. No spoilers from us, that's for sure. Not on a non-spoiler special. That would be awful. Uh, but anyway, so there we go. Um, we should have a question, shouldn't we? We oh, should yes, probably please. do that. Yes, okay. please. So um, earlier this week, uh, James Dyer and Nick the Assembly and I had lunch with them and we got to arguing about ranking Quentin Tarantino movies in order. And I was right and said Reservoir Dogs is number one. And they were wrong. and said Pulp Fiction is number one. Anyway, that's not important. They're I'm not here to defend themselves. To I'm idiots. with you, actually, for once. Correct. Yes, Helen is with me. John, you're with me as well. I can see it in your eyes. Oh, John I, is with me as well. This is great. Well, we're all united. On, not quite. We're, we're absolutely united. And James and Nick, John, your mouth in the words are idiots. <laughs> James and Nick are idiots. That's what he's saying. I, now you're holding up a piece of paper saying and they must burn in hell for their crimes. It's little extreme. a little harsh. Little harsh, but that's fine. That's your opinion. You've got rage issues. That's fine. We'll go with it. Uh, but that has inspired this week's question which has come in from at Fats Coleman uh, who asks uh, first of all says I'm on team Chris Hewitt yes thank you Fats absolutely Reservoir Dogs is the best uh, if all of Tarantino's characters were locked in a warehouse who would be victorious I assume you're having them in battle they're not just going to be sitting in a warehouse waiting for auto glass repair or whatever
1: Right. I mean, The Bride seems like a pretty good yeah. shot.
0: She bride, seems like she seems like the question killer, doesn't she? The Bride is <laughs> the correct answer, really.
1: I'm sorry, should I have saved that like, for 10 minutes? I in? mean, she
2: she was literally locked in a warehouse with like 88 assassins and she made it out alive. They were crazy,
0: so though. They were crazy. I mean...
1: And so it has been suggested there weren't actually 88 of them.
2: That, well yes if you if you count them then maybe i mean, if I you're think, going to
1: get into numbers it's or just whatever. a it's
2: just a name i think isn't it it just sounds nice it the does, crazy yeah. 88s but yeah she's she's pretty good isn't she she's pretty brights? good
0: she's pretty good but she's very good with a sword mm-hmm. obviously her, her Tori sure. hanzo's sword is very very good very very good for close quarters fighting but there is a really good gunslinger of course in the quentin tarantino uh, of and that is uh, uh, Mr uh, Mr. Unchained, Mr. Jeff Unchained, I believe, is the star <laughs> of that film. Uh, was, it, was it Jeff? I oh. think it was Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff Unchained. Uh, Jamie Fox Chango who, uh, you know, has two guns and he knows how to fire them. That's true. So he was at the other end of well, the warehouse.
1: Hang on, do you think he'd be the gunslinger to come out with this one on top? I've got a couple of other suggestions, okay. I mean, he's got. What has he got? What is he firing? Six he's got shooters? Two six shooters,
0: okay. probably. Uh, cult, so also in the or sort of
1: you know six shooter adjacent category. Uh huh. Jodie Channing Tatum. No, probably not him. No, but he, no. somebody from the hateful eight.
0: Somebody from the hateful eight, but are any of them? Do you? Well, you know, the Sam yeah, Jackson character. Yes. Major but Marcus. Yeah. Here's yeah. my
1: thing. Not everybody has. Uh, not everybody has a six shooter. Do they? Some people might have Some a better weapon.
0: Just want to watch. When back. you
1: absolutely, positively <laughs> have to kill everyone else in the room. Oh, I was, I you PG thirteen. I, know I, did. You, ab- I did. you absolutely. You <laughs> swerved at the last minute.
0: <laughs> when you absolutely, positively have to kill every everyone. melon farmer in the room. <laughs> Helen O'Hara.
1: What I was. I was trying to be genteel. You
0: absolute
3: mother flubber.
1: <laughs>
0: Amazing. Um, so you think Adele Robbie from Jackie Brown?
1: I do, yeah.
0: But how often do we actually see him fire that AK-47? Good
1: question. And Maybe he has zero skills with it. Maybe every time he fires it, he falls over backwards <laughs> and shoots
0: <laughs> the ceiling. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Would you stick an evening glorious bastards in there? Would you stick Eli Roth as the bear Jew? Would you kill it Would you, with his big baseball bat? Would you put him in No. In that I
1: well, hang on. I mean, again, we don't know what weapons that they all have. Let's give him
0: the baseball bat. All right, so Mm -hmm. let's give Butch from Pulp Fiction. We'll give him the samurai sword. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I don't suspect that he would last that long against the bride.
1: Here's my question Does Shoshana have a bunch of explosives? Well, she didn't have explosives, does she?
2: She's just laying film stock around the the warehouse, you know, and then just setting it it alive. Like
3: gasoline!
2: (laughs) That's right, yes.
0: Like, what? <laughs> really
3: just possessed by that. the
0: ghost of David Bowie.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so okay. So, so,
1: so, so,
0: so, 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 Shana, so Shana. Shana. Yeah. I, I mean, would love to hear as well the conversations in this room, yeah, it would be, be pretty mm. amazing. Um, so, that's in this room. why you do it, really, yeah, yeah, you do that. So, you have Hans Landa in there talking to Dr. King Schultz. And going, you are the same, you and I. Which is <laughs> a line that occurs twice in the Defenders.
1: Twice! Twice! Like, it's bad to have it once and like, they have it twice. What's happening?
0: Oh, How did, at that point... We're, what's this? We're the bad riding police, ma'am. And we're here <laughs> to arrest you. And sorry, we're going to have to shut the show down. It's like somebody
1: put in a placeholder and then it nev- forgot to go back. You know, when, like yeah. when you do a draft and you put in XXX for the thing that you need to come back and, f- and like, replace and then you forget and you submit it and yeah. it still has like XXX someone
2: it. left a note saying like this but less shit and then just made it not and made it less accidentally shit accidentally yeah. submit it as yeah. your finished copy what an absolute bunch of
0: monkey funkers <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I would have liked I think Winston Wolfe would have been quite effective at one point but I think now he's probably just going to try and, <laughs> and sell everyone car insurance <laughs>
1: <laughs> he might come in and just clean up when it's all over.
2: Yeah, maybe he's the, he's for the cleanup job
0: at yeah. the end. You've been trapped in a warehouse with a bunch of other fictional characters, but luckily your insurance is through a direct line, <laughs> so you'll be fine. Is Mr Orange in this warehouse? And is it the same warehouse as the warehouse in Reservoir Dogs? Because mm-hmm. if so, things are going to get pretty crowded in there pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah,
1: it's not a big warehouse. It's though.
0: not a big warehouse. There's a couple of little rooms off the back, but yeah, the main but warehouse so. itself... Um I would say that most of the reservoir dogs aren't going to be long for this world in this mm-hmm. scenario they're quite feisty they're quick to temper and uh, you know they'd they get shot and one of them is already dying I mean so I'm,
1: I'm going to say that basically every Tim Roth character is just pretty much going to die.
0: Spoilers by the way for uh, oh, wow. Quentin Tarantino films just I mean, in case oh you No
1: disrespect to Tim Roth love him he very doesn't much have, looking forward to seeing him in Tin Star. Doesn't die mm. in pulp fiction but,
0: Oh Tin oh, Star yeah. Tin Star, did you just say Tin Star? <laughs> I did. The show that's coming to Sky Atlantic. There you very, go. Very, very soon. Uh, 10 episodes. You can binge them uh, all at once if you want to, or you can watch them weekly. It's entirely up to you, starring Tim Roth and Christina Hendricks. Wow.
1: September 7th, September I believe. September
0: 7th. So, Tim Roth doesn't die in Pulp Fiction, does he? He doesn't. He walks in, no, he, he gets doesn't. away with it. Yeah, so, you're right. <laughs> Okay,
1: but otherwise, he's going to die.
0: All right. Like okay. on the
1: law of averages. Two
0: out of three. Yeah. Two out of three. Um,
1: that's 66%. That's like there would be a secret. lot of Sam
0: Jacksons in that room.
1: There would be a lot of that's Sam true. Jacksons. Uh, th- this is a good room to be in. Jules so. from
2: Pulp Fiction. He might he might get away with it, because, I mean, he's got, like, ma- magical bullet-stopping powers. <laughs> they'll just shoot at him, and it'll hit the wall at, behind him. So. Yeah.
0: I don't think that any one character would have to walk away. I don't think there'd be like one survivor. I think that Jules and the bride might hit it off and they might recognise in Django a fellow uh, kindred spirit and they might walk out of there uh, as a a little team.
1: So you literally are now pitching the Quentin Tarantino (laughs) pretty much where all of his heroes where Nick
0: Fury turns up to recruit them all and it's just a room full of Sam Jacksons that's the only people left are Sam Jackson characters and then Sam Jackson walks in and he goes well I see my work here is done so I'll just leave now
1: I I mean I would I would would watch I watch I would watch yeah okay we're sold
0: okay right so there we go Done. Sorted. Sam Jackson to survive that one. If you want to have your question read out at the Empire Podcast, uh, then you can do so for a number of methods. You can uh, email us at podcast at com. You can Twitter us where we're at Empire Magazine. Please use the hashtag Empire Podcast uh, as Fat Coleman did. And you can Facebook us. I really should check our Facebook <laughs> to see if there's any messages. Um, <laughs> you can Facebook us, although I wouldn't necessarily recommend that as the... if you, if you you If you're in a burning warehouse and you're Get in touch with the Empire Podcast.
1: What are you doing?
0: Facebook's probably not the way to do it. All right, I'm just saying Twitter or email. If you're in a burning
2: be. warehouse, why are you getting in touch
1: with the Empire Podcast? We are not the
2: emergency service Call the emergency services. 999.
0: We're the people people turn to in dire straits.
1: No, we're not even in dire straits, Chris.
0: When people are in dire straits, they think of us. We've
1: never been in dire straits. That's a completely separate band.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, we should move on. We should have we should have a guest. Should we have a guest?
1: I think that's please. Best.
0: Okay, our first guest this week is making a glorious return to the Empire Podcast. He was on our very first live show mm. alongside uh, Ice Cube. Not at the same time though.
1: No, which is Not a shame. Same I think it's he would shame. have liked to.
0: Yeah, because he's a big fan of the of the hop. So mm. it would have been interesting to have him along. Uh, he is, of course, Will Poulter. Big, big fans of his, and he could be seen being all chilling and evil and menacing in this week's movie, Detroit, directed by Catherine Bigelow. And uh, he was just hanging around, hanging around the building, so we grabbed him. Uh, when was it, last week? Mm-hmm. You did this, didn't you, John? I did this, yes. Yeah, you did this. And uh, You said, oi, Polter.
2: I, I, I think it, there was a bit more... Uh, there was some arrangement beforehand. Didn't think it was just, that he's important. just running
0: around outside the studio. You had to, like, you had to corral him <laughs> inside. You had to get like, a pair of bellows. I had a couple <laughs> of sheepdogs and just... <laughs> yeah. Oi, Polter! Come on, mate! <laughs> no, no. No. Well, no, it didn't happen like no, at no, all. No, no, no. Uh, What did you talk about? Set it up for people. Uh,
2: we talked about the podcast, the 100th episode. We really? Yeah, yeah. He Is remembers. He... he remembers it fondly. Wow. He was a big Ice Cube fan. He was very starstruck. He met him? Um, very briefly, I think, That's in amazing. the corridors. Yeah. I think yeah. they swapped, didn't they, like, with yeah. one-in-one-out policy, yeah. as we will have in our <laughs> That's right. yeah. live and podcast. Talked about being a big old racist bastard.
0: In Detroit. In what Detroit. In Detroit. He not, not him. He's he's yes. lovely and very woke. We must once again specify that Will Poulter is not a racist bastard, but the character he plays in Detroit is, and you can hear him talking about that now uh, with John Nugent. Enjoy.
2: We are delighted to welcome to the Empire Podcast,
4: Will Poulter. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Glad to be back on yeah. the uh, Empire Podcast platform. Thanks having. That's you?
2: right. Well, last time you were here, you were on stage at the Prince Charles for our hundredth episodes.
4: Oh wow! Wow, was it the hundredth? Yeah, crazy. You've slightly less intimidating audience this time, I hope. It, it, uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 I suppose slightly less pressure in the sense that I'm not following uh, in the footsteps of Ice Cube. That was that was right. pretty like one of the coolest, uh, most respected musicians of all time. And then I step on stage, it was uh, slightly, slightly <laughs> disheartening for audiences, I think. But anyway, glad to be glad to be back. Did you get a chance to, to talk to him while you were? No, I didn't, man. I sort of said hi. What's up? Like a. Sort of you know the excited kind of fanboy I was, and, yeah. and, and he was polite enough to kind of nod back and, and acknowledge my existence. But no, I didn't. I didn't think of anything kind of particularly poignant to say to him
2: because <laughs> you're yeah. quite a big uh, hip hop fan, aren't you? Yeah, I am. And um,
4: yeah, I mean, I was also a massively uh, 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 fan of the uh, latest Straight Out of Compton films Yeah, I was just yeah. discussing that actually with um, my friend. What an amazing film that was! And and I don't know. I, I feel like it. There was no kind of. Um, there was no sort of overrating that movie. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and actually, as it turns out, I thought it was underrated. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a big hip hop fan, so that was that was cool. I'm kind of bizarre to walk past Ice Cube.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> so we we are here to talk about Detroit. Yeah, of course.
2: And, and you you've played bad guys before, but I mean, this maybe maybe is the worst. I don't know. It's this sort of violently racist cop during the um, the Algiers Motel incident. Mm. I mean, did you did you hesitate to take on this sort of like utterly immoral character?
4: Well, to be quite honest with you, no, and I think that's because I would have been turning down the responsibility that was ultimately afforded to me by Catherine in terms of exposing this kind of racist individual. And I think, you know, what's quite clear and what's very evident, you know, when when you see the film is that although it's set in 1967, 50 years on almost to the date, we're witnessing a repetition of uh, the same themes. Mm. When we talk about police brutality, when we talk about race relations, when we talk about civil rights and social justice being denied to to people of colour. So what i wanted to do was just have a hand in shedding light on the truth of of that very fact Mm. and uh, in order to do that i needed to expose that sort of individual as, as honestly as possible we can't afford to have racist people operating in society much less in positions of power and particularly in the roles of police officers you know the the duty of a police officer is to serve and protect their communities and um racially motivated police work naturally does not go hand in hand with that so um it's important that we we take measures towards making examples of of those sorts of individuals
2: it does seem like there's a bit of a british invasion in this film as well with yourself and john boyega and, and hannah murray is it beneficial to have that sort of outsider's perspective on a an american story
4: well i'm I'm quoting john boyega when i say that racism is a global issue Mm. and i think um you know whatever our experience is and whatever our ethnicity when invited to participate we do have to participate in the discussions about race and the portrayal of stories about race and racism and it is a global issue Um, it stands to reason that um you know uh stories about racism should be told by diverse um group of performers, mm. um, so that it can reach a diverse audience. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think the hope with Detroit is that it will draw people who aren't necessarily used to having conversations about race and racism and potentially don't, um, possess the, a wealth of knowledge about the area might, might feel, uh, encouraged to engage in those conversations and, uh, and actually, um, uh, work towards being a part of the solution.
2: Yeah. It's, it is, as you say, it's such a tense and intense uh, movie. Mm. What, what's the atmosphere like on set? Are you able to switch off uh, in between takes or do you keep that sort of the tension going?
4: Uh, I think there was a sort of purpose-built tension on set yeah. and I think the tension that you see on screen is just a reflection of the tension that we were feeling on set. Um, and it was necessary for us to preserve a certain kind of focus and intensity while shooting. Um, Catherine, together with the DOP uh, Barry Aykroyd, who's phenomenal, they were able to create this very kind of immersive environment for us that elicited these very kind of, I think, natural responses from, particularly the the victims. You know, in mm. this in this case. And that creates, in turn, a very immersive and realistic experience for audiences. And, um, you know, that's classic of Catherine's work, I think, uh, it, not only in its methodology, but also in the way that it's received by audiences. You know, you're, you're looking at, you know, the most kind of authentic and almost documentary style mm. sort of filmmaking um, that there is.
2: Yeah. how does the, um, How does the intensity of a film like this compare with, uh, the intensity of a film like The Revenant, mm. which is another, you know, intense experience. That's the sort of film where the the making of the film is almost as infamous as the, the story right. itself. You know? Yeah,
4: yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Um, you know, Revenant for me was intense for, I think, um, endurance reasons. I think just, you know, from a physical perspective, it was incredibly tough and unlike anything I'd ever come up against. Yeah. And then, you know, we shot for effectively eight months with a brief yeah. break in between, so... Revenant was a little bit like a marathon and I think um, Detroit was intense because I think inhabiting the psychology of this aggressive racist was was incredibly uncomfortable and it's very difficult to um, sort of self-righteously portray a character who is that ignorant.
2: Just going back to The Revenant, what was the most physically challenging moment for you in <laughs> those eight months? I'm sure there's a lot to choose from.
4: It was probably being submerged under glacier water. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah. that was pretty. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it to you. Yeah, yeah. It was, I don't know, it was uh, approaching October in, um, in Calgary, and um, there was this river uh, that was effectively the product of, of glacier runoff water. Right. And uh, we did several takes over two days, being submerged under that water and i I went into hypothermic shock doing that that was uh, that was that was fun wow (laughs) but um um yeah yeah but you know that, that is what it is
2: <laughs> it's what it is. It's hypothermic shock. Yeah. I mean, did you have yeah. to? I uh, mean, were there medics on set then for that...
4: um, There were. There were medics on set. You'd hope. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd hope there were. There were medics on set. The necessary safety precautions were taken.
2: Yeah. Okay. You were never in any danger. Okay. Uh, no. That's good. To well. Know.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, little yeah bit, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another interesting acting challenge. Just looking across your your CV, um, I read that it took three hours to fit your your prosthetic balls in. Um, With the millers, Mm. I mean, is that is that compared to hypothermic shock?
4: It's interesting. I'm actually doing a job at the moment, which is five hours uh, of makeup in the morning, and that's actually less invasive. That's on my sort of head, uh, as opposed to uh, (laughs) um, sort of a more southbound um, location on my body. But um, yeah, uh, that that stuff's really interesting. I mean, like. I marvel at the talent of the people who, who um, you know, work with in the prosthetics makeup department. Like it's, it's a, an amazing art form. But the fitting of the with the Miller's prosthetic was was fairly awkward. I think it's fair to say.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit invasive.
4: A little bit invasive.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been 10 years since your first film. Uh, wow, I believe it's this year. Oh wow, uh, *Son of Rambo*. Oh, yeah. um, it was. Uh, it had its premiere in two thousand seven, and then it was released in two thousand and eight.
4: Oh wow! wow cool. um, I didn't even really sort of take that on board. That's yeah, That's
2: yeah. So you, I mean, you're you're an old hand at this sort of thing. Now, <laughs> uh, are, you, are you still in touch with with that film's director, garth Jennings?
4: Yeah, I do speak to garth now and again. Who I think is um he lives in Paris now, and yeah. he's doing phenomenally well. I thought he did an incredible job with Sing and. He's such an incredibly smart filmmaker and um, uh, just a lovely human. So I, I wish I saw more of Garth, actually, but I'm always grateful to him and, and Nick Goldsmith, who are kind mm. of, in a way, my sort of film parents. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm always grateful to uh, to them for giving me, really, I mean, the kind of most fortunate first experience and, and ultimately a, a very, very lucky break into this industry. So um, I'm very grateful to, to, to them and, um, yeah, uh, Garth, Garth particularly, you know.
2: I did just want to ask very briefly about um, Stephen King's "It," mm. which is, is coming out very yeah. soon. Um, and obviously, you were you were attached to play Pennywise at one point with with Carrie Fukunaga, yeah, uh, directing. But he, he dropped out. So I just wanted to get your your thoughts of, on that first. Mm. of all. I mean, um, uh, have you have you seen it? By the way,
4: I haven't seen it, and I'm I'm really intrigued. Um, I think Bill Skarsgård is a really really interesting choice for the role, and um, I, I, I I have no doubts that he'll he'll do it justice. Um, Uh, I also think uh, Andy's a great director and I I, I met with him and we had a great chat and you know I think we kind of parted ways in a very kind of you know civil um, and sort of uh, uh, you know civil way based on a kind of mutual understanding Mm. that we were just going in different directions with the the part Um, much of uh, I suppose what I'd composed in my head as far as how Pennywise was going to be was tied to Carrie's vision and Mm. once Carrie stepped away I, I, I sort of feel like um you know um maybe i was already kind of one foot out the door anyway yeah. um uh, and that's with no disrespect to, to andy or to um to new Line. my relationship with both i feel yeah. is is intact and as healthy as ever so um now i just get to sit back as a fan and, and, and watch yeah. it and um I'm, I'm really pleased for bill and andy and, and everyone behind that project
2: are you did, how far did you get along in the in the process i mean did you get as far as putting on the the clown makeup
4: right? uh, I yeah. never I never I never had the makeup test okay. no 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 no. but um, we were we were we were close <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah finally just very quickly mm. uh, we know from your Twitter feed that you're
2: uh, a massive fan of Nike trainers yeah
4: yeah <laughs> I mean
2: h- how many do you own can you put a number on it the nearest oh, ten this,
4: this is you know, the first the first step is admitting you're an addict isn't it um, <laughs> It's 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 in the tens. It's not in the hundreds. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, but it's it's in the tens. Yeah, it's 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 embarrassing. Actually, I recently um, did the kind of American leg of the Detroit press store and I did have one suitcase that was just that was just shoes. <laughs> a suitcase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wow. know that, sound, and that makes me sound really like diva and whatever. But the truth is, it's just sort of being a bit of a pedantic nerdy. Sure. You know, it it may as well be a, a stamp collection or, yeah. or beer mats or <laughs> bottle tops. Or, you know what I mean? It's just my yeah. my 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 thing. Do you so
2: do you wear a new pair every day then? No no two days um, the same?
4: No, that's not true actually. I tend to kind of like there tends to be one or two pairs that I kind of will wear like most often okay. and then there are some that I very rarely wear. Yeah. And um yeah, but yeah. I I'm I'm so pedantic about it that I'll think <laughs> this is embarrassing. But I will think ahead to like what kind of like terrain I'll be on. I'll be okay. like, oh, it'll be a lot of carpet today, so I should be safe wearing these, you know, or like, oh, I've got to go outside, and there was a little bit of drizzle last night, so am I going to be contending with puddles and right. you know, it's it gets that deep.
2: It's a lot of thought. It's
4: a lot of thought and very sad, really. Do you, you have, have trainers it. that
2: you've not ever worn that that just live on your shelf?
4: So there are a pair of i mean i don't know if even i'm allowed to say this at this point but there are a pair of um detroit uh shoes oh, wow. purpose built for the movie by a a certain brand that may be uh making an appearance uh and i'm pretty excited about those and i do not plan on wearing those whatsoever okay. they're going to go straight in a glass box and, yeah yeah and, yeah and just be yeah wow um kept indoors <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that coming out. So that's that's due to sort of arrive at some point. Okay, yeah,
0: brilliant. Will Poulter, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks a lot,
4: man. Appreciate it. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me on. Thank you. Cheers.
0: Okay, so as you know already, this week's podcast is brought to you by Sky Atlantic and their brand new original thriller, Tin Star, which is a tale of a small town sheriff battling overwhelming forces in a small Rocky Mountains town. Uh, and if you, if you have the time, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to tell you more about that show. You got the time? John, do you sure. have the time, John?
2: I have the time. Thank God. I have more than enough time.
0: Uh, did you know, for example, that Tim Roth stars in the show? as I Jim did Worth? know that. Okay. So he's an ex British cop who relocates to the snowy town of Little Big Bear. What a great name for a town. Uh, to start a new life with his wife, who's played by Genevieve O'Reilly. She's fantastic. She's my mothma. In Star Wars Rogue One She was great in The Secret Last year on ITV uh, And their children uh, Who were not In Star Wars Rogue One I just want to make that Absolutely clear Jim Worth It's the latest In a long line Of redoubtable Heroic sheriffs On the big and small screens And he finds his life uh, Irrevocably changed By an assassination attempt Soon after arriving In the town Of Little Big Bear Gripped by a desire For revenge Jim must battle With essentially Two sides of his personality The good and the bad As he takes on Mysterious oil company Christina Hendricks's Sinister official and a team of deadly criminals, and all set against a cold, wintry backdrop of a town that only reinforces the isolation Jim feels. Now, revenge thrillers have been around for as long as we can remember. Uh, What is Hamlet, if not a revenge thriller? Mm, He said, putting on his lofty cap. Um, There's something compelling about watching people test themselves to their limits in order to even the score, and dare we say, cathartic about it as well? I would say. I would say, yeah maybe um, all of which of course is explored to the full psychological ramifications and all by the show's creator Rowan Joffe and his exceptional cast uh, to see more for yourself every episode every single episode of Tin Star 10 episodes 10 Star will be available from Monday 7th of September on Sky Atlantic uh, but if you prefer a more languid approach you can check out the episodes every week from that date and then just try and avoid the spoilers around the water cooler because believe you and me Everyone's going to be talking about this show, right? Now that the message from our sponsors has ended, it's time to return to our regularly scheduled podcast. This is movie news. Helen, hi. What's been happening?
1: Is this this true? Is is
0: this rumor true? By the way, that Uh, you um... are in talks to direct a Joker movie.
1: Um, uh, is. I heard that you were in talks to I'm direct a Joker movie. I
2: totally am. Guys, you're going to laugh. I am no directing a Joker movie no. too. You're
0: kidding me. <laughs> what's yours about? Mine's about uh, the, the age between 16 and 17 when he was <laughs> just getting into heavy metal but oh, wasn't quite right. sure about yours it. Yours is a
1: prequel to mine. What, Mine's about yours? his just... the, the Pe- the planning period before his 18th birthday party. No way,
0: that's Mine,
2: huge. Mine's about some uh, some post he gets lost in, and he has to go to the Royal Mail sorting office, and it's a right palaver. Oh, oh my god,
0: sounds so good.
1: So this all actually, we're we're obviously riffing on the news of not one but two joker movies which yes. came out uh, this week the, the the news not the movies uh so the first story is that martin scorsese will be will be producing and todd phillips of the hangover fame will be directing uh, a joker origin story this will be a sort of a separate universe from the suicide squad joker so mm-hmm. it won't be jared leto mm-hmm. uh and, uh, and that's a thing that's happening. And j- just before I discuss what I think about that, we should just very quickly say that the second Joker story mm-hmm. is that after Suicide Squad 2, there are now ne- uh, negotiations for them to then make a Joker and Harley Quinn movie, which would star Jared Leto in the role opposite M- Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, and that'll be, that'll be written and directed by John by, Requa and Glenn Ficara.
1: Exactly. Um, so, uh, they haven't got a director yet for Suicide so, so Squad 2. No. Nope. Um, although they're working very fast on that because they want to get this done while everybody's under contract for obvious reasons. Um, so do the
0: contracts expire?
1: I mean, the, sometimes there's a, sometimes there's a, a two-part thing. So there's, you know, you're, you're signed up for six movies, but they have to the option within X number of years yeah, or yeah. something. okay. Um, so just to talk about the first one for a minute, um, I... Did a bunch of research writing a Joker article last year and came around very much to the belief that there should be no definitive Joker origin. He should absolutely, positively not have an origin. Mm-hmm. The origin. Okay. There there can be multiple choice origins the way that they did in The Dark Knight. That's absolutely fine. You can um, present options. But I think if you are presenting something as the origin of the Joker, you are doing it wrong. Um, I know Gotham is taking steps in that direction with the character of Jerome. I'm kind of hoping he's going to turn out to be a Joker, not the Joker. But, you know... Your mileage may vary, uh, but it, there shouldn't be a big-screen Joker origin, even if it is Scorsese. There, I said it.
0: Okay, right. Plain devil's advocate.
1: Sure, do it, uh, please.
0: Because this is a kind of an Elseworlds-type story, and mm-hmm. it will be set apart from the continuity of the DCEU, yep. and isn't that an interesting little wrinkle as well? well um,
1: but, okay, what? why? What is, is? What does this give you? Why? why, why? It gives you...
0: It gives you it gives I mean, you lots two schools of thought. Money,
1: okay. Yeah. But does <laughs> it? But it Brothers, doesn't yeah. necessarily. If it has the effect of confusing people about what this is my, that yeah. you're doing.
0: This is my big thing. Is like the whole thing back in 2007 when George Miller had cast Army Hammer as Batman for his Justice League movie, which was scheduled to come out. I think it was scheduled to come out either the year, same year as the Dark Knight, or the year after the Dark Knight. Yeah. And so audiences would have been going through this thing where, hang on a second. I thought Christian Bale was Batman. Who's this guy? That, for me, can get a little bit too confusing. And
1: if you consider that civilians, Mm. you know, not in this room, but people that you may talk to, uh, you, you, you know, listeners are all very movie knowledgeable, but other people are not. I have people talking to me who don't understand that Wonder Woman is a different thing from the Avengers.
0: Right, yeah, uh, yeah, you know
1: they—they they already don't get the fact that there are these. Where two... does Ray
0: fit in? I mean, I was waiting I for her to turn up. She doesn't. Uh,
1: and so, and and there are there's already a lot of confusion about who belongs to what gang. Um, if you then have multiple universes within the same gang, that's going to just absolutely baffle some people yeah. some of the time. No, there is a possibility that Warner's are playing a very long game here, and that they're planning a sort of crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't think they are. I don't
0: think they are either, I'll be honest with you. But what I do think that they might be doing... um <laughs> Far from as John said, it, you know getting lots of money in in the bank is maybe trying to attract filmmakers in a way that so maybe uh, Todd Phillips sure yeah um who is a director he has a decent eye and you can see why he might be attracted to a movie about sociopaths because that seems to be what he likes to make <laughs> movies about the hangover trilogy due date
1: yeah war
0: dog sees a man who manages to make movies about deeply unlikable protagonists and I would say for the most part makes him interesting and compelling. So I could see that he might be attracted and he's been moving gradually right away from comedy as well. As anyone who sat yeah. through the Hangover trilogy will know. Ooh. It started out as a comedy and ended up <laughs> genuinely the Hangover 3 is I would say is not a comedy. It's a it's a dark uh, Scorsesean it's, it's thriller that well, has yeah, some yeah. some comedy in it. War dogs is not necessarily a comedy. Um and Scorsese's involvement, I think it was Boris Kitt, the Hollywood Reporter, or someone who very quickly tried to pour a little bit of cold water in it and went, hang on, this, the Scorsese involvement, as far as I'm aware, might be happening, might not be happening, take with the pinch of salt. Yeah. And Scorsese is a producer. He produced Free Fire, but he wasn't on set and he was executive producer. It may not be a question of, oh, this is a Martin Scorsese uh, joint. Film and all yeah. But name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's interesting. But would those guys sign on to do Suicide Squad 2 or to do the Joker and Harley Quinn and work with Jared Leto and have him send stuff in the mail to them? They probably don't want that. But no. would they sign on to something else which like, I don't know, Red Sun, the the great Mark Miller Russian that Superman story. I would
1: absolutely like to see. Which
0: apparently has been Yeah. N- been knocking around at Warner Brothers. Uh, Jordan uh, Foyt Roberts said on Twitter a few months ago a few weeks ago that yeah. he had Pitched Red Sun to Warner Brothers, and they had been told had been turned down because there is something in the works with another filmmaker that they won't reveal. But that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so maybe but, but they could do a Red a Sun. Very,
1: that's a very clear alternate universe. Yeah, of that course. That is very obvious. Like you put that you put that figure on a poster, and it's clearly. A different world. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, first of all, how you do that when you already have quite a disunited universe in the DCU so far. Mm. Um,
0: That's true, but I'm just playing, I i devil's advocate.
1: But the problem is also, again, just the, well, first of all, origin stories, uh, nobody cares. Uh, second of all, the Joker himself is a malevolent force of chaos. And there are It is almost impossible to imagine an origin story that really, truly, honestly does him justice. And yes, before you say it, I've read The Killing Joke. (laughs) Um, And that was an origin. It was not the origin. There is no definitive take on this character. And I honestly, the more I read about him and the more of his origin stories I have read, the more I believe there should not be. Apart from anything else, he has to be Batman's sort of almost equal and nemesis right? Mm. He has to be. And Batman is the world's greatest detective and has never been able to figure out who he is. Mm. Um, and therefore, we shouldn't be ahead of Batman.
0: Yeah, but I don't know necessarily that this will then play into the future movies. I mean, this because it's being set aside, will this be presented as the origin of Jared Leto's Joker, but just with a different actor? Or, no, or, or as well, you say, is this just going to be another multiple choice question? Is this just going to be another origin of possible origin of a possible Joker if, the same way that Jack Napier yeah, in, in Tim Burton's Batman which is a Burton possible got, origin Burton
1: got a world of grief for that decision and, he did and I can, you can see, see why he did it I can absolutely see why he did it it makes a beautiful kind of narrative logical sense to have your villain and your hero born in the same moment almost mm. um, but he got a world of hurt for it and I have come around to the belief that that is somewhat justified um, here's my problem if it's just a Joker origin of a Joker that is not attached to Batman and it is like you say completely separate and completely standalone what why what does that <laughs> what does that oh no, I, I agree. what is the story of a crea- of a <laughs> chaotic being what does that give us
0: I agree but on, on on another level i'm going Todd Phillips is an interesting filmmaker i don't i don't love many of his films but there's usually something to appreciate Martin Scorsese is Martin Scorsese, yeah. and if there's something in this that has attracted Martin Scorsese on a certain level, okay, that's interesting. And on the other side of the coin, we have the within DCEU continuity. I think a lot of people are upset because they figured that Warner Brothers had finally got on track with the DCEU. That, that Wonder Woman was so good, I wonder if it was accidentally good. I don't really know, um, but I've got a feeling Patty Jenkins is very, very smart and knows exactly what she was doing and managed to work within that system. And I, there, there's just feelings that maybe already they're going off the rails that maybe they're, they're just they're so emboldened by the success of Wonder Woman that they're going like getting a toy store oh my god oh this is amazing we could do this we could do this we could do this and instead you should be focusing on what's happening right now you should be focusing on making sure that Justice League is as good as it can be yeah. you should be making sure that Aquaman is as good as it can be Shazam I think is the next one that's going to go before cameras uh, which is a film that I can tell you right now Helena's making an interesting <laughs> face about and <laughs> you know Just get these movies right. And don't Mm just hope that one movie out of three is going to be good. Make sure that every movie is is going to be good. Um,
2: This this news does not strike me that DC have a... Coherent plan for their f- their future slate. I, I, when you look at what they're doing here, this does not look coherent or yeah. cohesive. So
1: what you're saying is, do I look like a guy with a plan? Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I don't think they do. And if also if you look at some of the reports from um, Matt Reeves, who's been talking about his Batman movie yeah. lately, yeah. and they're they're saying that that is going to be outside of the DCEU... Um, Timeline. Yes. It's going yeah. to be separate. It's setting up some sort of separate strand or something, and there, it seemed to imply that Ben Affleck might not be in the role because it would go for a younger Batman. Ben Affleck was very emphatic at Comic Con that he was going to stay in the role, but you know who knows really. All all of this news does not sound like they have a plan.
1: And and listen, I mean, obviously the Marvel way is not the only way to do this, and they've obviously no. decided that that is the case, and they're they're kind of you know, experimenting, swinging for the fences, apparently. But Mm -hmm. I just, I don't understand what the Joker is if he's not fighting Batman uh, to some extent. But I I don't understand what we gain by seeing an origin story of a Joker in a different universe, unconnected to...
0: (laughs) Who may not be connected to the other Batman that they may be casting to go alongside the Ben Affleck Batman. Which
1: may not be the same as either of them... Yeah. so we're the- going to
2: have two jokers and potentially two Batmen.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and they're not interacting. Yeah, and of course, in the small screen, we have already have a Flash, and we're going to have a Flash. To big right. screen. and, and, and
1: we apparently have a, a Joker and a Batman, obviously on the small screen in Gotham we as yes.
3: well. Uh,
0: it's, uh, it's, 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 it's confusing and it hurts my brain. But we should we talk about the should we talk about Suicide Squad 2 and the uh, uh, the Harley Quinn and Joker movie, um, yeah. which are <laughs> clear and present dangers materialising on the, on the horizon um, and I think I, I, the reason I say that is because I think we're going to get more Jared Leto's Joker and it's a Joker that I th- I, you know I, I think Suicide Squad is a terrible terrible film I don't think his was a terrible terrible version of the Joker I thought it was interesting um, I think there's been a move to maybe recast that uh, on the internet as an awful awful performance but I don't think it is um, but do I want to see more of him? Do I want to spend more time with that Joker? No. I don't think I do.
2: I think I think he's got the potential with the right in the right hands and the right script. He has got the potential to be something interesting. I think I don't think it worked in Suicide Squads. But he 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 at least did something different and having yep. seen the Joker a few times on the screen already, it was his own, it was distinct, mm-hmm. Um and you know, Margot Robbie is very good as Harley Quinn. I thought she was probably the best thing yeah. in Suicide Squad. So, to see more of her is 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 fine. I mean, in in the um, in the report, they described it as this this uh, new Harley Quinn and Joker movie is an insane and twisted love story when Harry met Sally on Benzedrine. Which what does mm. Benzedrine
1: do to you? I don't
2: know. I mean. <laughs> It sounds a bit like, you know, in the 90s when people were like, it's like this, but on acid.
1: I think mm. they wanted to say acid, but they also didn't want to say any illegal drugs.
2: <laughs> also, also you know, it's a
0: massive... I, oh, yeah. wait, benzodrine you
1: know, is an amphetamine. Okay, right.
0: it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's mentioned in the R.E.M. song, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? But So, um, so they probably
1: good. wanted to say speed, but didn't want to advocate illegal drug use. And that is a good thing. Don't do it, kids.
0: So is this Gotham City Sirens, this Joker and Harley movie, or is that a different movie? I
1: think that's a different uh, movie. Well,
0: yeah,
2: that is a different movie. I think from what I heard, this is... I saw one report that's saying this is replacing Gotham
0: City Sirens. Because comingsoon.net, uh have it down on here as Joker and Harley colon Gotham City Sirens. Oh, right. Um, now, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, I don't know, but I do know that I enjoy the work of Glenn Vicara and John Requa, um, who were very, very good writers, they wrote Bad Santa uh, before they... And, you know, they're directed by lovely Philip Morris. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very good guys. Um, and I think it's interesting to see them step up to the the big leagues in such a way. I haven't yeah. seen a TV show, uh, This Is Us, but a bit, people rave yeah, about absolutely.
1: it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, you know, interesting directors, Todd Phillips and these two guys. Hopefully, they'll be OK. You know, we have to always, I think have the old glass half full here in the apple yeah. podcast every every day is christmas eve but i'm pretty sure that jared leto joker shaped package under my tree <laughs> is what i think it is and i'm not it's, entirely sure i want to open it
1: a sculpture of jared leto filled with dead rats <laughs>
0: So anyway, we'll see how what happens with those movies. And listen, this is also early in the, in the game that uh, certainly the the origin movie may never happen. It may never come to yeah, fruition. it's but, entirely possible all around. Yeah, we shall see. Anything else happening this
1: yeah, week? Yeah, a few things. Uh, Will Ferrell is going to star in the English-language adaptation of the 100-year-old man who climbed out the window and disappeared, which is the... Um, <laughs> Jonas Johansson's novel uh, mm-hmm. from 2012, I think it was. Uh, it was already made into a Swedish film, which is really good fun um, in 2013. Uh, and this one will have uh, Feral in uh, a lot of aging makeup, uh, mm-hmm. playing the uh, the titular hundred year old uh, Alan. He escapes from his nursing home on his hundredth birthday, uh, goes on the run, meets a very strange assortment of people, uh, including in the Swedish film an elephant. Uh, and uh, and tells them all stories about his past, and it turns out basically he met every major figure in the 20th century. It's a sort of a Swedish Forrest Gump, a little bit. Um, it's it was a, it's a really cute film. It's a really interesting book. Um, the idea is not to to redo the Swedish film, but to readapt the book. So maybe pick some different memories and some different stories that weren't mm-hmm. adapted first time around. So it should be a different thing. Um, and uh, and yeah, so. Uh, that's that's happening, so hopefully that'll be good. <laughs> no, I genuinely, I, I, I'm genuinely, I'm i hopeful for that one. Um, Will Ferrell is a very funny man, and it is, is a very funny book, so it could be brilliant.
0: Cool. Fantastic. Very good. Everyone's, everyone's happy? Yeah, Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. Everybody wins.
2: I have some uh, TV news. Bring it. It's the um, Edinburgh TV Festival at the moment, so there's been a few big announcements, uh, and a couple of them caught my eye. One is that the legal gentlemen uh, are returning. They haven't been on... TV for about 15 years, I think. Um, And they will be back for three special episodes, Mm. which is very exciting indeed. It is. Um, So hopefully we'll see Papa Lazarou and Tubbs and Edwards Back in Royce and Vasey, where they belong, which this, is
0: nice. Yeah, this is genuinely amazing. So, uh, is it 15th anniversary or what, what is it exactly? I think it's
2: the 20th anniversary, 20th anniversary. since they started on the radio, maybe, I yeah. think. And 15 okay. years since they were last on screen. And obviously there was the film in 2005. Um, but yeah, this is the first time we've seen them in a long time, so that's nice. And then the other one, uh, Alan Partridge is back.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yes, he. We. I think Steve Coogan has been hinted at this for a while, but he's back on BBC, BBC One for an hour-long special later this year, and then BBC Two for a full
0: six-part series. Now, I wonder: is this six-part series? Is it another a series of I'm Alan Partridge?
2: Uh, I don't know if it's I'm Alan Partridge. From what I've heard, he's going to be tackling Brexit, which is perfect. He's is the... that
0: the is that the series or is that the one hour special? I don't know. Brexit. I do not know. Uh, I'd love to see another series of I'm Alan Partridge. I, I think that's
2: that. That is peak Partridge, isn't it? That's the for best me it format. Is, yeah. um, I,
0: mean, I love Mids and Morning Matters. I love all the documentaries. I, 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 you know, even have a soft spot for Alpha Papa. But, uh, you know, I.
2: I have a hard
0: spot for Alpha Power. Really? I don't My word, that, John Nugent, that, where did wait, that come what? from? Does that work? Is that uh, is well,
1: that more, like you know what? I don't even want to explain. Helen to had
0: PG thirteen this podcast, <laughs> and you have <even laughs> just given it Nurse, a hard you, R, a cold towel, please, with the emphasis heavily on hard. My word, goodness, John Nugent, goodness, lordy, blimey, uh, which yeah. is to say, I like. I think it is good. Okay. Very good. I I like it as well. I don't even even want to try and qualify it as if people think it's a bad film, it's a good film. Uh, so I'm excited to see whether that happens. And tell you what, guys, I'm I've been blown away this week by some casting news. Blown away by some casting news. But which, Chris? The news. Okay. Okay. That Melissa Leo and Bill Pullman are returning as their characters that they played in the equalizer. For The Equaliser 2.
1: What? Oh, good Lord. I can't believe it. I won't believe it.
0: Now, you may ask me what those characters' names were. And I signed an NDA, so I can't tell you. But I'm very excited <laughs> about it. I'm excited that Pedro Pascal has also joined the cast. I'm the excited about that. Equaliser 2. It's strange Antoine that you, Fuqua is coming back to they direct. They
2: made you sign an, an NDA for a film that already exists and is out there.
0: I, 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 mean, I thought it was weird at the time. I'll be That's, honest with that you. seems like you know I said to them guys look if, if you make far. me sign this NDA it's going to make it look as if I don't know what the characters are called in the equaliser and it's going to make me look stupid uh, numbnuts <laughs> and I don't want to look like a nuts and they went no it's fine it's totally fine. Just sign here. Then he melted into the darkness. Yeah. So weird. That's yeah. bizarre. <laughs> it was yeah. bizarre. Um, and they also stole my trousers. It's such a weird thing. <laughs>
1: Chris, you never wear trousers. We keep asking.
0: Precisely because the NDA people keep stealing them. I've told you this. Why don't you ever believe me?
1: <laughs> so many reasons.
0: Anyway. Um, so they're back. And uh, Denzel Washington is back, obviously, as obviously. Robert McCall. And I really have genuinely a soft spot for The Equalizer. Yeah, you it it is my favourite um, movie in which an ultra-violent showdown takes place. And essentially, a and Q at the end. <laughs> what the hell's going on in this film? Uh, it's Denzel Washington's first ever sequel. He's never made Three Guns. He didn't make The Magnificent Eight. You know, training yet? Yet, obviously, you know, training virtuosity week. two hasn't You've happened yet. Training week. So he's making this is his first ever sequel, and I'm in, intrigued to see what he and Antoine Foucault I can do. I am
1: holding out for Fences too. So
0: Fences too. <laughs>
1: Fence harder. <laughs> um, there was, there was. However, uh, did you say Bill Pullman or Bill? You said Bill, Bill, Pullman. Pullman. He, Bill Pullman. There was more Bill Pullman news this week. He's also uh, starring in or part of the cast of Adam McKay's film about Dick Cheney um, with Christian Bale. Oh, that's exciting! Dick Cheney. Which is
0: when's that story? I mean, that's just
1: too obvious casting, isn't it? <laughs> Christian Bale. You I mean you look at him and you see <laughs> Dick Cheney, don't you?
0: You do. You what? do.
1: Christian Bale is. Ju- cri- Sorry, what?
0: It's a perfect fit.
1: Christian Bale is Dick Cheney.
0: Christian Bale has chameleonic abilities.
1: Does he have comedic abilities?
0: He does have comedic abilities. Okay. He's been very funny in... Um, um, that thing. Dumb. <laughs> no, he's funny in American Psycho.
1: You're right, I'm not is. sure he
0: intended to be, but he... <laughs> he, is. he is. No, he is. He is. He's a very uh, funny guy.
1: Anyway, Steve Carell is Donald Rumsfeld um, and uh, Pullman will be playing Nelson Rockefeller. Oh, so this is a bit of a prequel. A prequel to what? Dick Cheney's oh, right. career.
0: <laughs> he was just a little dick back back then. Uh, and we'll maybe over the course of the two hours get to watch that dick grow. Oh, good Lord. Um, uh, I'm excited about this news.
1: Yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, massive dicks, uh, I've, I, I, Ivan Drago is coming back.
1: Oh, he's awful. Oh,
0: he's a bad man, isn't he? And uh, so sliced alone this week posted on Instagram shots of Dolph Lundgren for it is he. Training hard to return as Drago in Ooh. Creed two or Rocky Eight, whatever whatever you want to call it. So w- um, would
1: he be? Like a bad guy training a new bad guy. Well, the
0: scuttlebutt is that uh, Creed II, which I don't believe, sadly, has Ryan Coogler directing. He's tied up with Black Panther, it's, which is a real shame for me. <laughs> That's my nice as, as much as I'm looking for, yes, as much as I'm looking forward to uh, Black Panther, I'd love to see him direct Creed 2. I love Creed. I really would love to see him do that. But uh, you know, he can't clone himself. So uh, the story, the scuttlebutt is that uh, Adonis Creed, Michael B. Jordan, will fight the son of Ivan Drago who of course is the man who killed his His dad (gasps) his
1: father oh my god there's going to be so many daddy issues in this film you're going to love
0: it it's going to be amazing Um, I'm very much on board with this but also I think it's intriguing to see what's happened to Drago who of course I don't think we ever really got to know as a character he was just (laughs) a big block of Russian iron wasn't he that, (laughs) that got punched and you know says very very few I must break you and if he dies he dies all that sort of stuff so you know, him coming back might might humanise him a little bit might get to peek uh-huh. behind the iron curtain and have a look at what's what's underneath oh that's a bit sexual isn't it
1: it did, did sound a little it's bit wrong it's getting Ooh. a bit blue um, this podcast it is, isn't it uh, there, was, there was bad news this week um, the Han Solo movie won't feature Michael K. Williams anymore um, the reshoots or the shoots that are still going on under mm-hmm. um uh, under our new director, our new overlord, if you will, Ron Howard, um, mean that his I don't know, uh, mean that his character has uh, sadly not made the cut. Yeah, which is a shame. Hey, you said Instagram before, and that reminded me of something I meant to say
0: to you. Listen, I don't know how that direct message got to you. It was my <laughs> finger slipped. Uh, no,
1: did you see Gwyneth Paltrow's Instagram oh, this morning?
0: <laughs> I did not see Gwyneth Paltrow's Instagram Gwyneth this Paltrow, morning. What has I, she done? I'm sure we all follow her. Is it a big pile of goop? What is she doing? Uh,
1: no, no, it was much better than that. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow posted a picture of herself and Robert Downey Jr. No! Yes, in, in like, costume.
0: It's never been done before.
1: Right. And she said, we're, ba- we're back, exclamation mark. Hashtag pepperoni. Hashtag (laughs) Infinity Wars and also hashtag Diamond Ring Emoji. Mm. So presumably (laughs) there's been a development.
0: I'm looking at this right now. Um... This is interesting. This is very interesting indeed. Uh, so she's uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow on Instagram. She's not following me. That's kind of weird. But uh, there you go. Uh, this picture has been liked by John Favreau and three hundred and twenty-two thousand four hundred and fifty-nine others. So therefore, I do not need to like it. Sorry, Gwyneth, I'm withholding. Um, I love. Can I just say pepperoni?
1: Pepperoni. And I've never Pepperoni's thought of good. that before. I've been saying that since. Have you? Yeah, for a long time. That's,
0: no a. No, you haven't. I did. B. You're a big liar.
1: I, I'm not. And C
0: it's very, it's great, it fits. It's, yeah. it's spelled good. wrong, it's put me off a little bit, but pepperoni, that works. Um, and uh, when you say development, well, we know at the... Uh, can yes. We, should we? Because oh, no, people will a, get angry. There's a statute angry.
1: of limitations, but we know that there's a reason to think that that might have been in the works. Yeah. But that's not been confirmed, has no. it? So, you know, it seems like that's a thing that's happening a bit more.
0: And did Aww. you see
2: on uh, John Favreau's Instagram, he posted a picture of, of himself with... with Gwyneth Aww. and Robert Downey Jr. So seemingly self-confirming, both
0: his and Gwyneth's uh, appearance oh, on *Avengers: so Infinity War* or it, uh, well, whatever it's going to be called. We don't, we don't know. We don't know at this point. Adding to the exciting. three thousand characters in that film, she has four and a half thousand comments on that poster, uh, that picture. Starter Production says, "So great together." Uh, heart emoji. King Alstork says, "Excited." Uh, Jossu Brother 11 Chris. says, Bien Fuelves. Chris. And then Damaged Lip says, You both look tired. Love you.
1: Let's not read them all out, shall
0: oh. we? Oh. We need to get out of here in the next
1: <laughs> day.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I was going I was four, four in to. Four into four and a half thousand. I would have got it done in the next 10 minutes or so. Honestly, you're policing my every move. This is ridiculous. Um, some other quick casting news as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hellboy, a. What's it called? Blood Prince? Blood Queen. Blood Queen. That's it.
3: Hellboy, the blood.
0: Sorry. Hellgirl, the Blood Queen, is about to start filming any second now. In fact, I'm just checking my watch. No, not right now. Uh, over there in, I'm going to say Budapest, but I might be wrong. Sure. I might be wrong. It's, it begins with a B and it ends with a rest. That's all I know. So, um, And that's very exciting. And Ed Skrine has this week joined the cast. We're excited about that, aren't we? Hmm.
1: We are, with the slight niggle that it does seem like whitewashing a character who is meant to be... Oh, I don't know who he's playing. Who's he playing? He is playing uh, Major Major Ben Daimyo, uh who is okay. uh, a half Japanese character. So th- uh, there have been, yeah, some eyebrows at oh. the very least raised.
0: Okay, consider me angered. Quite right. Um, but we 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 watched that film with great interest, we and do. we shall see how it uh, unfolds in the next few weeks and months, indeed. And of course, there was the sad news this week that uh, Jerry Lewis had passed away at the age of 91. Someone who was known, of course, for his madcap comedies uh, back in the 50s and 60s. Some with Dean Martin, some without Dean Martin. Films like The Nutty Professor and The Bellboy. I know him best. I mean, I don't think his movies necessarily penetrated over here as as the odd one would pop up on TV. Um, Very influential on people like Jim Carrey. Uh, they love him they love those movies and they love those movies over in France but for me he is Jerry Langford in uh, the comedy he's yeah. uh, he's fantastic in that he was great in funny bones uh, very very interesting figure though you know especially uh, he was a he was a writer he was an actor he was a director he was a producer he could do it all mm. um, fascinating to see if his movie the day the clown cried now gets a release at some point which is if you don't know what it's about it's a movie that he tried to make and um, wound up not being being quite finished, it was about a clown in Auschwitz whose job it was to bring children, Jewish children, to be executed. Yeah. And it's a movie that has gained... He never allowed it to be released. It was never released. and uh, But there's been talk that it may see the light of day and it certainly would be an interesting movie to take a look at. Wow. Uh, but he uh, he was an interesting figure with some, some hidden depths. I've been reading a lot this week about how cantankerous he was, famously (laughs) cantankerous, something he played up to. Um... There's a great if you can find it. There's a I haven't read this book, but Sean Levy, not the film director, but the film critic, uh, Sean Levy wrote a book about him years ago. And there's a great video on YouTube where Sean Levy goes and talks about his experiences talking to Jerry Lewis for the book. One encounter was great, the other encounter was not, Uh, and he tells a very, very, very funny story about that. Indeed, so it's on YouTube. But he was
1: also like he was really at the at the forefront of kind of pushing things things forward. Um, I can't remember who. I'm uh, My my apologies, but um, somebody was saying. uh, Uh, this week that he was the guy who like in the sort of 60s 70s was talking about video playback on set Mm. being the big thing and you were going to be able to watch the scene you just shot immediately and make adjustments accordingly and that sounded crazy at the time because it was sort of so early in that process but he was absolutely right so he really kind of kept himself educated in film kept kind of pushing things forward and uh and yeah, and 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 was hugely really, hugely really successful at what he did.
2: Yeah, and I, I would just add to that that I, th- I think anyone who hasn't seen The King of Comedy should really go uh, visit it if you haven't already, or revisit it if you have. I mean, it's it's often seen as a bit of a lesser Scorsese, but it is actually one, I, th- I yeah, think it's, it's one of three for me, one of his best, yeah. uh, and I think it's it's had a bit of a reevaluation over the last few years. I think it was critically. Um, not acclaimed upon release but it's it's an incredible film and Jerry Lewis puts in an incredible performance so mm. really worth a watch
0: indeed so there we go um, Jerry Lewis who died this week aged 91 and this week's second guest is of course a brilliant director Doug Lyman. he's the director of movies like oh my word if you start the start the list them all, we'll be here all day but Swingers Go The Born Identity Mr. and Mrs. Smith the one where Anakin Skywalker teleports all over the place that one uh, Jumper that's right Fur Game he did that too what else did he do recently he did Edge of Tomorrow we liked that film very a very lot. good film and now he's back with Tom Cruise yet again in American Made which is a it's a true life tale of Barry Seal, who was an American pilot who got mixed up with the American government and Pablo Escobar and his naughty cartel and uh, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we just re-recorded that because okay. we Chris couldn't say maybe. yeah I can't
0: say hmm. the name of the cartel okay Okay, Medellin? Medellin.
1: Medellin.
0: Medellin. (laughs) Medellin. You don't have to do it in their accent. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Medellin. 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 I think I <laughs> passed a test. All right. So it's the tale of Barry Seal He gets caught up in the way over his head. He's played by Tom Cruise. Uh, the film takes a few liberties with the true, the true life story of Barry Seal. Just a few. But I talked to Doug Lyman about that, about making the challenge, about the challenge of the movie, about what drew him to the movie, which was an interesting real life connection. And interestingly, what its life is like when Tom Cruise is your housemate. Interesting stuff. Uh, here's Doug Lyman. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the director of American Made, Mr. Doug Lyman. How are you, sir?
3: Hi. How are you? Nice yeah. to see you. Good. Good. Can you see me? <laughs> I can see you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh,
0: currently <laughs> ensconced behind, a behind yeah. some, some monitors. It's uh yeah. It's not the most you know, counter, It's not the most intuitive uh, interview you know setup. I, I guess, but I'll, I'll I'll pick at you over the, uh, in the microphone. Um, congratulations on the film American Made. I mean, this is uh, uh, an incredible true story. Uh, about Barry Seal, uh, and it came to you in script format. But you were you had a, a, a an involvement with the story on some level already, didn't you?
3: Yeah. What's what's in- extraordinary about the the story of American Made and, and Barry Seal, which is you know about a uh, Tom Cruise plays a pilot flying for the CIA in the nineteen eighties, mm-hmm. um, is that um, I was sent a screenplay uh, written by Gary Spinelli um, by a uh, producer, Ron, um, Brian Grazer and, and Ron Howard and. Um, really was a uh, um this extraordinary story of this pilot, um, who's, you know, recruited from TWA and, and given a small plane to fly all over Central and South America um on behalf of the Central Intelligence Agency and, and starts getting involved in some outrageous um activities, um, many of them for himself and not the CIA. Uh, is that I didn't realize I was reading a story that I actually knew personally. Um because uh what you you come to realize is uh he's actually flying um for uh um the the people he's ultimately re- uh re- reporting to it in washington are mm-hmm. oliver north yes. and, and ronald reagan yes um, and that this is in fact iran contra um which was a, a massive scandal in america um and one that I knew personally because my father actually ran the investigations into iran contra yeah You know, there's like investigations going on right now um, into Trump. Um, That's you know, in 1987, that was my father at the center of it, um, investigating Ronald Reagan um, and his activities um, in in Central America, specifically Nicaragua. Yes, Uh, but I didn't know I was following a character who was involved in this because that was the there was such a massive disconnect in real life between. The policymakers in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. and the people on the ground, mm-hmm. um, and that was the kind of it was that disconnect that, that Barry Seal, um, Tom Cruise's character, takes advantage of in real life and in the movie. Um, that disconnect was so significant that I didn't even realize I was following the same story. <laughs> Not told... as you later in the story, um, Barry Seal starts getting involved in Washington D.C. and then suddenly the caster characters I actually knew firsthand. Um, yes. Start to come into the story. Absolutely.
0: Uh, at any point in that early draft, uh, was your was your father a character in the in the film at any point?
3: No, because uh, it's the story of, of of Tom Cruise's character Barry yeah. Seal and and um, the my my father actually is in the film at the very end, basically the the last shot because um, it it all you know I don't want to spoil the end of the film, but of course some things come undone by the end. Yes, um, and. That it's it's at that moment that it becomes undone that the public becomes aware of it and that's that's when my father then um, was appointed to invest. Oh wow!
0: So it's archive footage in the in the very very end of the film. Yeah, you, you do have a lot of fun though with, with the film stylistically and uh, uh, one of the things I, I made me really laugh was the beginning of the movie uh, where you play with the the studio logos. Yeah, and which of course is something you've done in the past. You did it with with Go. Yeah, where yeah. you uh, you cut into the 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 Columbia logo. Uh, almost before the film had even started.
3: Well, in the case of Go, you know, we were making the film for TriStar, mm-hmm. which is sort of a division of of Columbia TriStar, sort of the same studio. But TriStar, at the time, did you know maybe the more younger, hipper films, and and Columbia was seen as you know way more significant. And one day, uh we received the Columbia Pictures logo. You know the the in the editing room to put on the front of the film. You know, and it's so austere with that woman, looks like the Statue of Liberty <laughs> holding up that torch. And you're like, and my editor was like, oh my God, like, because first, my editor is super critical of me. Yes. Um, and was like, oh my God, like, Columbia Pictures, like, we're going to denigrate like 80 years of film history with Go. <laughs> you know, this this super austere and, and you know, with the 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 orchestra go was like he's like, This is blasphemy to put that logo on go. Uh and that led immediately to the decision that, you know, to screw with the logo. <laughs> Fair enough. And for this movie? And for this movie, you know, I think, you know it's my uh second film to direct for Universal, Born Identity being the first. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, I feel I feel more part of the logo, mm-hmm. um, given the significance of the Bourne franchise to the studio. Um, but it's you know it was just a fun way to take the audience back um, to the 70s where the film starts. Yes, uh, and to and to do it quickly because mm. that's the other thing is that uh, I'm really not an indulgent filmmaker. i, I I'm, I'm looking at the absolute fastest, most fun way. Um, to, to take an audience through a story um, and that was sort of a way of, of kind of not even indulging you to watch the whole logo because what <laughs> is that after all? I mean, it, it, it seems sort of masturbatory to sort of have these logos with the orchestras trumpeting, you know, like, <laughs> does, does the audience really need to to watch the whole Universal logo? Yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe not.
0: It's a an interesting idea though. I mean I was actually
3: shocked they let us get away with it. At some point <laughs> I honestly thought they'd be like, What what you what are you doing to our logo? <laughs> but I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing when when logos are there to be messed with. I mean and that was the whole thing. Everything kinda of wanted to let you know, you know, nothing was sacred. Yeah. And, you know, that that is a uh you know, I think part of why I'm drawn to to Barry Seal's story is is because uh somewhere inside me you know i really love his rule breaking yeah his, his just devil may care like i'm not going to think about the consequences i'm just going to jump in uh because that's i think kind of how i i approach my films i mean i'm about to start shooting a movie on monday and i'm i'm on Monday. On Monday, and I'm I'm, just, just, oh my God, I'm that, just jumping in. That explains why you're on your laptop. Uh, before yeah, yeah. the interview started, <laughs> started I'm but I, but I, you know, despite all the preparations, you know, yeah. there is some sense, like Barry Seal, of uh, jumping in and to hell with the consequences.
0: Yes. And uh, just a couple of last things, Doug. I mean, you, you mentioned Tom as a, a great actor. Obviously, we know that. We know now he's a great pilot as well. Uh, turns out he was also a great housemate for you during the making of this movie, which intrigued me. Is he...
3: Because you shared a house with him uh, as you were shooting. I did. You know, um, this actually was Tom Cruise's first independent film. Uh Uh-huh. And I really do love kind of taking the piss out of Tom Cruise, like the brand of Tom Cruise. You know, that was An Edge of Tomorrow. I was like, you know, I didn't know... I had never worked with him before, and I was like, how would you feel about kind of... Not doing this heroic thing that you know, you've done in all these other movies. How about we make you just a total coward from beginning to end? Yep. Um, and that's the thing is that Tom is, Tom is known as being courageous as a stuntman. Mm-hmm. He's way more courageous in terms of just saying, yeah, let's just try this thing I've never done before. Mm-hmm. When he's got a big brand like Tom Cruise to protect. And he's like, yeah, let's, let's try it. So I, I knew he'd be game for it when I brought him American Made and said, you know, how about we go for this scoundrel? Mm -hmm. Um, and then because it was going to be his first independent film and we're trying to figure out the mechanics of shooting it, um, and it was a really ambitious movie, um, you know, with, with the flying sequences, uh, and, and the sort of span of years that it covers, uh, we thought, you know, it made sense to just share a house in Atlanta where we, where the film was based. Um, and the screenwriter moved in as well. Right. So the three of us, you know, lived in a house together, which kind of has this independent film vibe. Yeah. Except, you know, it was a mansion in Atlanta with its own <laughs> tennis court and a swimming pool. Okay. Um and it really was the odd couple in the house because uh you know, and again, this is from my point of view, but he's a little OCD. <laughs> um you know, we didn't have a housekeeper. Really? Um, we had okay. a ch- we seriously, we had a chore chart. Uh-huh. Um because we couldn't find a uh, a housekeeper that could sort of pass the the, the Tom Cruise security test. Oh, my God. Um, and so we just did our own chores. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of bickering and infighting over whose dishes were whose, and especially um, the writer Gary Spinelli, we had a, a very disparaging uh, name for him that I'm not allowed to repeat. <laughs> um, but he never, he never did his chores, and he said, because I have to write at night... Yeah, that's and, a and, lame excuse. And why should I have to clean up for what Doug cooked? And it's like because it's your turn to clean the kitchen. It's on the chore chart. It's on the chore chart. You got to do it. Tom,
4: as you'd roster. expect,
3: Tom not only always did his chores, but mm-hmm. you know, did them perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> like when Tom was done cleaning a pot, it looked brand new. Right. Okay. And I was like, I was more like Barry Seal because when no one was looking, I would take the dishes and move them to there was like a a, ban- a pantry sink and hide them in the pantry sick because it was sort of deep, and you couldn't see it, um, and hope that nobody would see it. And, of course, Tom would, would always spot that. It'd yeah. be like... You can't you get anything these. past Cruz. No.
0: No, not at all. Did he Did he do anything wrong? Did he leave the top of the milk? Did he maybe leave a, an odd sock on the floor from time to time? Or, or, or is it like
3: living with a sickeningly perfect person? It really is like living with a perfect person. Oh. It, it is... Uh, and not only that, he... You know, the our in the mornings, like especially our first morning of the shoot, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna leave the house at six AM to get to the set by seven. And Tom comes banging on my door at five AM. He's like, Let's go, we got a movie to make <laughs> and I'm like, we're not my alarm's set for five fifty. <laughs> five fifty five. Yeah. And he's like, I don't he's like, We're leaving at six. And I said, I know. I'm already dressed. I slept in my clothing because that's what I would do. I would shower the night before and change into the next day's clothing. That's clever. That's so good. I'm fully dressed, yeah. ready to go. Yeah. My alarm is set five minutes before we need to leave. Uh huh. And and he be he's up like an hour before we oh need to leave. God. He's at the gym. By the time we've gotten in the car, yeah, he's already worked out in the gym. He's had his breakfast. That's amazing. Tom Cruise
0: is your alarm clock. That's that's great. But he doesn't have a snooze function,
3: which is no. He did. I I <laughs> I said go away. <laughs> My alarm doesn't go off for 50 minutes. And he was like he's like, "We have a movie to make. I said, "I know, go away. My alarm doesn't go off for 50 minutes." And, okay. and he is the guy loves, loves making movies and is so excited. like every on edge of tomorrow, you know, we would tell him, you know, show up on set at 8 a.m. Mm. You know, we're getting there at seven. He has to go for hair and makeup and other things, be ready at eight. You know, you say that to any other actor. They're there at like 8.15. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is there at like 7.40, ready to go. And we're not ready. And he's like, why aren't you ready? It's like, well, because we told you eight. <laughs> Who, who's <laughs> early? And and like my brother, he's like, Tom is seriously annoyingly early. Yeah. like uh, i got
0: to let you go, but I'm just going to ask two very, very quick last things. Uh, one, you start your new movie, Chaos Walking, yeah, on, yeah. on
3: Monday. On Monday, yeah. Uh, are you ready? Are you okay? Ready to go? I think I'm like Barry Seal, like I'm, um, you know, I uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully have as much fun as 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 he had, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I don't think I'm ever ready. <laughs> you'll you'll find it. You'll, you'll find it. Um, what time do you expect Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley to be there on Monday morning? I don't know if I mean they're. they're I expect actors at their age uh-huh. to still be, you know, so enthusiastic that they might get there early. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I sort of thought Tom after 30 films or 50 films. I don't know how many films he's made. A lot. Yeah. A, a lot. Yeah. You know, how can he how can he still love making movies mm. as much as he does? It's 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 infectious. I mean, it's he inspires everybody around him cuz it's he just, you know, he genuinely loves making movies and it it's when you look at him on screen, the, I think why he shines is he's he's truly He's not acting happy to be there. <laughs> he is He is at his most happy moment, you know, when yeah. that camera's rolling. It's, you know, it's yeah. sort of extraordinary. Because I've, I've always wanted to make movies since I was, you know, eight years old. Yeah, of course. I have pictures of me with a Super 8 camera at eight that are sort of... I still actually have the Super 8 camera. Amazing. So, you know, every, I still have to keep reminding myself that I'm... Uh, Oh, my God, I'm I'm doing what I dreamt of doing when I was a kid. Like, how... How insane is that? Yeah, yeah like yeah. how many people get that opportunity? but I for the most part, I have to remind myself of that because I'm usually just mired in the, in the stress of, of, of the movie and, and you know hating myself and hating life or you know because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make you know a film that's better than I'm capable of making, and I'm just sort of caught up in all the insecurity of it and yeah and Tom Cruise doesn't have any of that. He's just like, I've always wanted to make movies, I'm making movies. I love it.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And then, uh, are you going to work with them again? I mean, what's, what's the latest on? Uh, it's, it's now called "Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat: The Edge of Tomorrow" sequel. That, that's official. That's, that's
3: official. That's official for me. It's not necessarily, you know, the, the <laughs> I had wanted to call the uh, the original film "Live, Die, Repeat," and, and yeah. the studio fought me on that. And you know, because it's a quirkier movie than it's not your straight ahead uh, studio film. It's, mm. it's it's way more original than that, and I wanted a title that reflected that and um, we have a, an idea for the sequel. We actually have a script now um, that's so fun and original and different, and so unexpected in a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I'm I'm really excited to to do it. Fantastic, and especially because it really does. It's so unexpected. Like we people kind of know what you you know. There's sort of you know I love the same way I love challenging what you expect in a Tom Cruise film, right? Tom Cruise in an airplane, you expect to see Top Gun. I love the fact that it's, you know, American Made is the opposite of that. Um, you know, the, the airplanes are crappier and Tom Cruise is crappier. <laughs> and uh, so I love the idea of our, of our sequel for Edge of Tomorrow, um, which I'm calling Live, Die, Repeat and Repeat. Uh, okay. Is totally just, will surprise, you know, it just flies in the face of what you'd expect in a sequel. Okay. And is that much more fun for that reason. Fantastic! I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I look forward to it.
0: Uh, well, best of luck with that and um, with Chaos walking. And uh, thanks for your time, Doug Lyman. Thank it's you. Been a pleasure. Thank
3: you.
0: <laughs> bye bye. Okay, time now for the review section of the podcast. That was Doug Lyman. He is the director of American Made. Should we start with American Made, Helen?
1: We should. Although I should mention one news story which we forgot earlier. Um, Doug Lyman is currently shooting or about to start shooting
0: on. Hey, he's currently shooting because, as he yeah. revealed exclusively in the uh, in the interview, uh, he was about to start shooting on Monday.
1: Uh, Yeah, so this is the uh, adaptation of the Chaos Walking trilogy by Patrick Ness, the first book, The Knife of Never Letting Go. Uh, And that has um, the so hot right now combo of Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley as your two leads. Uh, They've just (laughs) added the also hot right now and generally uh, David Oyelowo as Aaron, who's one of the key, key characters in that story. Um, have you read the books? I have. And? They're amazing.
0: Really? Because yeah. I, I think I've only read a Monster Calls, but it Patrick destroyed Ness,
1: me. Yeah, Patrick Ness knows what he's doing. This is not <laughs> a Monster Calls kind of emotion. This is a sort of a science fiction y kind of a world, much more kind of traditional young adult stuff in okay. some ways. But it's a, smaller a lot words. darker, a lot darker than most.
0: It sounds very in- intriguing. I didn't really talk to Doug Liman that much about it, but yeah, it's generally speaking, f- whenever I hear that author's name, mm-hmm. I think to myself, "That is a Loch Ness." So, wow.
1: Anyway, so let's <laughs> talk about American Made. Um, this is uh, yeah, Lock, it, Loch it's, Ness. No, I, I got what you were saying. I just was trying to it's like a big
0: river in Scotland. It's not a, a monster lives in it. It's
1: not a river. It's a loch.
0: Why would you it's say that? It's in the name. Why would you say that? <laughs> it's another okay. fine mess you got me into. Anyway, moving on. American Made.
1: American Made. Um, so, yes, Tom Cruise plays Barry Seal, who's bored with his job as a pilot... Flying all over the regional USA, um, and is thrilled actually to be approached by the CIA because he does a little tiny bit of smuggling of Cuban cigars. You Uh know, he picks them up in Vancouver, brings them down to the US. Um, So the CIA kind of have him bang to rights, and they say, "Well, no, actually, we don't want to prosecute you for some minor cigar smuggling. We want you to fly for us around South America, do reconnaissance flights over these tiny little jungle." camps that may or may not be training communists. Good Lord, help us all. Um, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and they send him down basically to fly all over the place. Uh, the problem for his, from his point of view is that he gets picked up by the Medellin cartel. Medellin. Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> um, which is uh, headed, obviously, among others, by Pablo Escobar, uh, the famous drug dealer. And they basically say, "Well, here you are with the plane flying up and down to the US all the time. Mm-hmm. We have an idea. Yeah. Why don't you fly a bunch of drugs for it us?"
0: Sounds like a good plan.
1: I mean, I can't see any possible way this could go wrong.
0: And this is a this is a true story. This it's is certainly a, yeah. This yeah. is an actual true story. Uh, it really happened. You can you can Google it. Uh, it it's all there in black and white. Um,
1: yeah, and it's stunning. Like yeah. it's one of those true stories that has to be mostly true because otherwise there is no way you would get away with making this up. <laughs> there is no way a studio chief would let you make this up. Yeah. They would be like tone it down, guys. Yeah. No one's going to stay with us for this. And yet here we are. Um so it's uh it just kind of es- escalates and escalates from there. Um uh Donald Gleeson plays the CIA agent contact um mm. of of Seal. Um and, uh, and Sarah Wright, who's pretty much a newcomer, certainly I'm not familiar with her no. career to date, yeah. um, is great as his wife, um, but kind of sidelined. It's, it's very much Barry's story. Oh, it's really him. I mean, it's really carried on Tom Cruise's back and it's lucky that he's been working on it, obviously, um, because he, he absolutely carries the film without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Well, actually, he sweats a lot, but only because it's really super hot and nasty. And even lucky. Tom
0: Cruise is not impervious to sweat.
1: As it turns out, yeah. Or maybe uh, they sprayed him like they do, you know, The Rock. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I, th- I, th- I thought this was terrific. I just think yeah. it's, it's such a great mix of character drama and sort of drug smuggling caper and international batshit craziness that it absolutely worked. And uh, We gave it four stars and I think that is spot on.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing about this is that it is uh, so weirdly all over the shop. Mm-hmm. It is completely and utterly unfocused
1: in a in a weirdly good way, but in right? a
0: weirdly focused way. Yeah, and it it feels a lot to me like a funnier version of a Goodfellas or a Casino. It is yeah. very ADD. It is all over the place, and Doug Liman is throwing every stylistic thing he can think of at the wall to make it stick. Uh, and, and, and sorry, and seeing what sticks. And. It really works. It's got a real breeziness to it, which is fascinating given the real-life ramifications of what Barry Seal is doing, of what he did. Um it could be, as I said to Doug Liman in an interview, in another director's hands, it would be a much darker, much sombre movie that we had seen before. Very One of those a, cautionary tale movies. Very that we, much a
1: blow kind of a yeah, story, except like a real, even less fun than like that Like a
0: was. TV movie of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But this makes it fun and sesty, and you love to be in Barry Seal's company, because Cruise in this movie is terrific. Yeah. I think he is uh, incredibly likeable in it. He takes a character who has to be likeable because he has to win over Pablo Escobar, who is the head of the Med the Yen cartel.
1: Muy bien. Muy bien. Ah,
0: yes. Spanish for that was okay. Um, and he has to win over the, the CIA as well and his wife, and they move him to this small town, Mina, uh, which was the original, the original title, the title film. of the film, yeah. Uh, in uh, Arkansas. And it it's so wildly chaotic. You could argue that some of the other characters need more time. Jesse Plemons is in it as a small town sheriff uh, who perhaps needed more time to yeah. establish him Caleb Landry Jones hands down number one my most disliked actor in the world right now you see that guy appear on the screen but he's very good at what he does because when he appears on screen you know this is going to be an unrepentant heel and that's exactly <laughs> what he plays in this movie um he turns. He turns up, and he needs more character development. Sarah Wright, I think you're right. Needs more character yeah. development as well. This is very much the Tom Cruise, Barry Sealer show, but it's a good show when you're in, when you're involved yeah. in it, when you're and, inside it. And
1: we should be clear: just because it's, because uh, you're completely right, it's a lot of fun. It's very entertaining, but it does have high stakes as well. And I think it 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 does a really astonishing job of walking that tightrope.
0: So yeah, I thought it was terrific. You thought it was terrific. We thought it was terrific. Four stars indeed for American Made. Very very good start to the week, uh, John. Hmm. So, four years ago, Stephen Soderbergh up and quit. <laughs> he up and left. We even did an exit interview with Steven Soderbergh in the magazine where we asked him the questions that you would be asked if you were to leave the company we work for. Uh, so, were you satisfied with the company? Could the company have done anything more to make you stay? All that sort of stuff. And he took it in great spirits. Um, and now he's just completely invalidated that whole interview by coming back. I mean, he was always busy. He was making the nick. He was doing something else called Mosaic, which is a multimedia experience apparently it's coming out later in the year. And now he's back with a, a proper movie, Logan Lucky, which stars Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig, Riley Keogh, loads and loads of great actors in this as well. Um, and was it worth the wait? I mean, is it, is it good to have him back?
2: It's great to have him back. I mean, come on, nobody ever expected him to stay away that long. I mean, maybe it could have been a bit longer so we could,
0: you yeah. know... Could, it's a four year retirement. Four year retirement. I, I mean, mean he hadn't even cracked the Columba boxes.
2: He hadn't even got his slippers out. Uh yes. What a joy to have him back on our screens. Logan Lucky, uh for those who don't know, it's it's a heist movie. It's very much in the vein of his oceans trilogy, um, but in a very different setting. This is not a slick bunch of good looking celebrities. I mean,
1: this film calls itself. Ocean Seven
2: Eleven. Yes, I mean it's it's literally referenced within it, its own movie that it is sort of a play on the Ocean's yeah. uh, trilogy. But it but it is not Brad Pitt and George Clooney going into Las Vegas. This is Channing Tatum and Adam Driver in, in the Deep South. Um, and so it's it's. Uh, I mean, our, our reviewer Andrew Lowry described it as if Out of Sight got it on with the Ocean's trilogy, and their baby grew up in Trump country. It's that sort of thing. It's a bit more it's it's hicks going on a heist um and it's and it's really fun it's really fun so the basic plot is uh, channing tatum plays jimmy logan uh, his brother is adam driver no one's really buying that they are brothers i mean they look it could not look more dissimilar but that's that's I, fine oh
0: come on i now. don't know but T-
1: channing has like dyed his hair darker and everything
0: he dyed his hair darker he's got a bit of a punch they've both got, got beards that is all the similarity he's i can see
2: uh, but it's fine. It's fine. They have really good chemistry. They're very. They're both very good, and they both have excellent accents. By the way, I love Adam Driver's accent in this film. He just accentuates every word in a sort of sli- slightly dim sounding. But he he's not dim. But it's just it's just very funny. Um, so so Jimmy Logan is a minor.
0: Um, he is well, he's not. He's in his thirties. What are you talking about? He's a minor with an E. Oh right. Okay. Well, we shouldn't. Uh, I, you know. Condone drug use, so okay. okay. I don't know how to uh, explain.
1: He he digs. Jimmy stuff Logan is is an adult
0: oh, I dig man stuff all the time. An adult, think it's great. adult <laughs> man, adult I man stuff who's, whose
2: profession is to mine. Okay,
0: well, why did you say that? You should have been more clear.
2: <laughs> okay, well, are we are we are we done? We're done. We clear? <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're done. Are we, are
0: we <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm spent.
1: I mean, I, <laughs> I have to catch a train pretty soon, so it would be super People good. You won't be able to,
0: to catch train. a train. Helen, you're a small oh, gosh. human woman. It's impossible. These things are huge and fast, and they go past at all sorts of speeds. You'd you're never be helping. able to hold it. It would rip you're your not arm from your. Okay.
2: Got to tread very carefully here. Jimmy Logan is a, an adult man whose profession is to mine. Yeah. O- C- all carry good, on. All good. Carry on, yes. Uh, his brother Clyde uh-huh. uh, works in a bar.
0: Very we, okay, good you, know, you you saw okay. me you, you saw i was going to do something with barman and yeah, you yeah. had to be off at the yeah, pass yeah, yeah, okay very yeah, yeah. good
2: okay uh and they plan after being let go jimmy is um fired but F- he's 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 being forced out of his job <laughs>
0: just, <laughs> all right I just i'm be, not gonna be literal okay, anymore okay, okay carry okay, on we
2: could be here for a while the, the two of them hatch a plan to rob the vaults at the NASCAR Coca-Cola 600 It's one of the biggest events in NASCAR that's the the car racing that's very popular in the south in America. And so it's there's some very classic heist tropes they they get a plan together, they get a crew together. Mm-hmm. This is where we introduce uh, Daniel Craig who plays um Joe Bang. Joe Bang. As we've never seen Daniel Craig before and he's fantastic. Bleach blonde, blue-eyed and absolutely batshit insane. Uh, and it's brilliant, and he his two brothers come along for the ride as well, uh, and Jimmy and Clyde's sister as well, played by Riley Keough. It's, I mean, it is it is essentially a remake of Ocean's Eleven. There is, you know, a lot of familiar tropes here. It's even got David Holmes on the soundtrack, which seems mm. a bit of an odd choice considering this is set in the South, and you'd want a bit more bluegrassy music um but it it's um, man it's just so much fun it's really good fun there's some really sharp dialogue um it's there's you know the sort of twists and turns that you expect from a heist there's a couple of surprises towards the end there are there are points that it doesn't work i think seth MacFarlane plays a british character and i think mm-hmm. his performance is actually okay it's just his accent is Atrocious! <laughs> it's one of the worst accents ever committed to screen, and there is I'm not so sure to... it is
0: a bad accent. Yeah, uh, I think he nails the accent he's going for. I'm just not sure where he's from. <laughs> but <laughs> let me qualify that a little bit more. I think it's a decent accent, but the performance itself is a little bit obnoxious. Uh, but, I, but I think oh, the character calls for
2: an obnoxious performance, and yeah. I think I think that's but it's not funny.
0: I think yeah. the character is meant to be funny. Yeah, I think we're meant to be laughing, me. laughing with him and at him, and we're doing neither really. I
2: feel like it's just the accent. I think if it was a better accent, I'd I'd enjoy it more. I
0: just don't like
1: him overall. Yeah, so anyway. I mean, I,
0: yeah. It's so a weird thing so, about Seth MacFarlane. He's funny. He is funny on Twitter. He's funny. You know, he yeah. guy writes Family Guy. Blah 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 blah. He's good looking. He's talented. He can sing. His singing is great. Why is he so difficult to like on screen? Mm. Yeah, strange mm. one. Mull that over. Internet.
1: Anyway, so we gave this.
0: Four stars, four stars, star. four stars. Yeah, I thought it was. I th- again, great fun.
1: Yeah,
0: um, very, very breezy. Great performances throughout. Funny. Yeah, maybe it's not it- quite as good as the Ocean's movies. No, but it's
1: not up there with it's not up there with the Ocean's. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Let's move on to our final film this week, which is Catherine Bigelow's Detroit. Helen.
1: Yeah. So this is uh, Detroit, Michigan, uh, in 1967. Um, the whole whole us was in a state of unrest uh, as a as a result of you know the the ongoing struggle for civil rights and uh, there was what what's known as the 12th street riots or the 12th street uprising following a mass arrest by police of mostly african american men at a club but men and women um and the, the streets are are sort of uneasy. There have been riots, there has been looting. So the National Guard and the police are on the streets and they hear shots coming from uh, the Algiers motel uh, and they basically march into the hotel, uh, line everyone in there that they catch up against a wall and start questioning them to find out who was the sniper. And the fact that we know, having watched the you know, first 20 minutes of the film, Um, there wasn't a sniper. There was somebody firing off an air pistol, like a starter's pistol from a race, uh, which is what made the noise and what what terrified everybody. But there is nothing to find. So no one can give them what they're asking for. But they start taking people into rooms one, one by one and beating them... Uh, Trying to get information out of them, and and things basically escalate from there. So uh, that's sort of the setup. Uh, Caught in the middle of all this, I guess, are the likes of John Boyega's character, who is a private security guard who kind of follows the police into this situation in the hopes of kind of, I think, keeping the peace. He seems to be trying to keep things calm, try and uh, act as a sort of a bridge between, you know, the African American community, frankly, Uh and Uh these almost all white. Uh, police and National Guard, uh, but his efforts certainly are in vain. And you have Will Poulter as a an extraordinarily uh, callous and racist cop who is unfortunately pretty much in charge of the situation. Uh, I, also, Algie Smith, who's uh, the lead singer of a Motown soul band, who's uh, one of the, one of the guys caught up. Anthony Mackie, a Vietnam War vet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Hannah Murray from Game of Thrones as one of the women uh, in the hotel as well. So you know, all of these people sort of caught in a
0: powder pr- keg from a powder keg of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Basically, um, as you'd expect from Catherine Bigelow, it is insanely tense. I mean, that that the the first sort of two thirds of the film are the build up, this this sort of riot and this unrest beginning, and then these these people in this hotel. It's almost a chamber piece. Um, it is incredibly tense. It is incredibly upsetting to watch. Um, it is. Uh, it has actually drawn criticism from a lot of um, of black critics who say, you know, you just see black bodies being victimised uh, mm. just over and over again. And it's true, it's incredibly upsetting that way. And yes, we could maybe have used a bit more of their sort of lives outside victimisation, I think would have been mm. nice. Yeah. But the the focus and the intensity of this section of the film is stunning and that's what you know bigelow does and, and and brings to it and then we do see a little bit of the aftermath so that so again this is quite a long film you you, you get into okay that was the night that that was but then what happened and what happened then is also not going to cover anyone in glory um so it's it's a pretty upsetting film it's a pretty difficult film to to watch at times um it's stunningly performed by that cast uh again as you'd sort of expect i think from those guys um but a real nightmare situation, uh, a, a, a very very timely film in terms of what the uh, the US but you know the whole world but the US in particular is is going through right now um, and uh, and really kind of unflinching in its in its portrayal of that um, as I say, in, in ways where you almost wish they had kind of flinched at times mm. and kind of pulled back a little bit but um, but certainly intense I don't think it's Bigelow's best film, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is uh, a very good one. And, uh, again, great, great performances. Um, I hope Will Poulter, you know, in some ways gets to... He's he's really good at this, and I hope not to the extent that it haunts him, uh, genuinely. Mm. Like I, I hope people don't sort of only give him bad guy roles because of this, because it's one of those performances where that might be what happens for a little yeah, while. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think the performances across the board are amazing. I think John Boyega has never been better. I think he's really shows a maturity that we haven't really seen from him before, and it's really impressive. When I went to see this, I my I took a friend, and my friend turned to me uh, halfway through and said, "Can I leave? I I, I don't want to watch this anymore." She was just quite a distressing film, and it has been described as a, a sort of horror movie in yeah, some ways. Yeah, very much so. And I think you're right. I I feel like perhaps it could have used a bit more texture than just having a relentless relentless abuse for a good I'd say an hour of, of the running time um, it is it is a hard watch but it does feel like an important watch I don't know it just mm. feels like this is a this is a part of history that we haven't really explored
1: I don't really know how you get away from that I, I think you know I can see why it would be difficult because you don't want to break that tension you don't want to lose that and you don't want to mm. min- in any way minimize the horror of what happened mm. Um you you certainly don't want to cut to any kind of white saviors outside. That would be grotesque. You, you, but you also, I don't know who you would. Maybe they should have found some other members of the black community to to cut to and find a way to. I don't know, do something there, but uh, the tension I can understand where they sustained that. So maybe it's just the the before and the after needed a bit more attention in terms of, in terms of that. But I mean, mm. look. Apart, apart from that, you know, I, I think that I don't think that's what bigelow said out to do rightly or wrongly i think she wanted to make this incredibly tense almost chamber piece mm. um and then and then just show how how grotesquely it was kind of echoed afterwards and uh and f- on those terms that's exactly what she has done whether that was the right call or not that's another discussion um so yeah so we anyway we gave it four stars which four seems stars. fair it's yeah, a very I'm- good very very strong week this week
0: yes i haven't seen it actually myself i'm gonna hopefully see it this week so sounds intriguing
1: Yes, Certainly. it's a, it's a okay. strong, strong film.
0: Mm. Strong film. Four stars. Four stars for pretty much everything this week. Logan Lucky and American Made. And Detroit, if you had to recommend one, what would you recommend?
1: I'd probably see American Made again first. Yeah? Yeah.
0: American Made?
2: I would see American Made because I haven't seen it. So okay. <laughs> that would be we my go. top Fantastic. of my list.
0: And that's it for this week's Empire Podcast, brought to you by those lovable coves at Sky Atlantic. Do not forget that 10 star, all 10 episodes will be available from September 7th, or you can watch it weekly from September 7th. It's entirely up to you. Join us next week for more formulated related fun. We will be joined by Bill Nighy, star of The Limehouse, Golem, and Adam Wingard, director of Death Note, which is on Netflix as of today, Friday the 25th of August, but the interview is being held back until next week. Uh, until that momentous occasion, do not forget, by the way, that the Stephen Soderbergh interview special, uh, all 43 minutes of it, is uh, uh, out right now. You can listen to it, uh, right, John? Yeah, mm-hmm. you can listen to it mm-hmm. right now, so that's very, very exciting. Um, and we will have also a Terminator 2 Retro spoiler special, our very first retro spoiler special ever for Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which is out on August 29th. That is out on Tuesday, August 29th as well. John's <laughs> falling apart from the work that we're, <laughs> we're giving him here. And uh, also on sale this week, not a new edition of Empire Magazine, but a one shot, a new thing we were doing. We're launching a new series of uh, occasional. Specials, special editions of Empire called Empire Classics, and the very first one is about action movies. It's basically a compendium of masterpiece essays about some of the greatest action movies of all time. From just Die Hard in there, there's Speed. I wrote two essays: one on the Raid, one on Captain America: Winter Soldier.
1: Correct.
0: What did you write?
1: Nothing. Nobody asked me for anything.
0: Nobody asked you for anything. Great, Helen. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we. That's well. This is awkward, uh, John. What did you What did you write? Nothing. Great. Okay, I wrote so, the
2: tweet promoting it.
0: And how did that go for you? It went
2: well, quite well. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, if you wanted to know more about the elevator scene in Winter Soldier, pick it up. It's on sale now. where's uh, in all good and evil news agents. So, there yes. we go. So there you go. Empire Classics, the action one shot. Uh, right. That is it from this uh, edition of the Empire Podcast Until next week, it's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. It's goodbye from John. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm just off to overdub this because of all the swearing at you. Melon farming! (laughs) Melon farmers, Did you absolute bunch of motherfuckers! (laughs) See you next week. Bye.